it was the best thing that ever happened to me was to be killed off the show, to be honest, yeah. because it, um, that's the moment everybody talks about. If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. 10,000 No's is a roadmap built by guests who have blazed trails, silenced critics, and overcome the odds by facing down their fears and transforming their failures into fuel. I don't care if you're young or old, healthy or sick, there is always an opportunity for growth. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Welcome back to 10,000 No's, and thank you for being here as we head into our second 100 episodes with number 101 today. If you listened to episode 100, you heard excerpts from our very humble beginnings, so it's an absolute pleasure to keep bringing you guests like today's guest, Julie Benz. I can't do that without thanking the person who set this up, Jonathan Stanley of Hot Shots Self-Taping in Studio City, for any of you LA-based actors. I didn't know him, but he listens to the show, and he reached out to me on Instagram to suggest a few of his clients to me, Julie being the first one, and I'm really grateful, as I think you'll be after you hear her story and especially some of the techniques she's used to get where she is today. Many of you know Julie as an actress. She's been working like crazy for a long, long time, but probably most recognizable as Dexter's wife, Rita, on Showtime's critically acclaimed smash hit, Dexter. What you may not know is that she was a serious figure skater from the age of 3 to 13 on a high level. That rigorous training from such a young age has no doubt had a big effect on her career, as I found out. For those of you not familiar with Julie, here are just a few highlights. In addition to her upcoming Showtime series on Becoming a God in Central Florida with Kirsten Dunst, which premieres August 25th, 2019, and her Lifetime movie Heaven, which premieres July 26th, 2019, she works seemingly nonstop. Scrolling through her internet movie database page is seemingly endless, so I'll just mention some of her series regular and major recurring roles on TV, not even getting into film. There was Honey, I'm Home as far back as 1991, Ask Harriet in the late 90s, Steven Spielberg's miniseries Taken in 2002, Bobby the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Desperate Housewives, Dexter, which we really dig into, No Ordinary Family, A Gifted Man, Defiance, Hawaii Five-O, Training Day, and this is not to mention all of the other pilots, guest spots, and films she's done. She is a work horse, and what I'm excited for you to hear today is why. She says she's lucky. I beg to differ. She outgrinds the competition, in my opinion, but you decide for yourself. Here she is, Julie Benz. Kind of going back to where you started from because I know <laughs> I, I now know as uh, as a child you were an athlete like a very serious yes, athlete yes yeah, a competitive figure skater from the age of three until I officially retired at 16 okay yeah and was that was your mom a figure skater was that the no connection, you know that is one of those things that's on Wikipedia that you can never change um <laughs> uh, no so we grew up in a, a small suburb outside of Pittsburgh called Monroeville. And in the Monroeville Mall, they had an ice rink in the center of the mall. And so it was a way, like, my parents thought, like, for us as a family, something to do together as a family on the weekends. So we would go to the mall and skate. Um, and then my parents were suckers for um, people going, oh, your kids are so talented. Oh, they should, you know, we should, yeah. they should take some private lessons. I was three years old. I was not talented. <laughs> but um, my mom believed that we all were talented at ice skating. And so that's kind of how we started doing it. That's great. And you yeah. and you have a brother and a sister. Yes. So it's three of you. Yes. And where are you in the... I'm the youngest. You're the youngest. Yeah. Okay. So I'm the youngest yeah. of three as well. <laughs> uh, well, they must have been somewhat right because you guys really killed it, didn't you? Yeah. Did I mean, my brother and sister were junior national ice dance champions and they, you know, competed in, on an international level. And then, I mean, I was... I was I had, I got really badly injured at the age of 13 and, um, 
And then I went back and continued, but at that time I started acting. And so it was kind of like a natural progression for me um, to move into acting versus being an ice skater. I mean, there's not much future for ice skating. Okay. So, but when I found that out, I thought, oh, that, that makes sense because you, you work a ton and I'm always telling people that so much of this is like the mental game of how do you, you know, we just had a story before we started recording of an audition that goes well and you still don't get it. And and a lot of people get frustrated and after a certain amount of time, they will bail. Um, It takes a certain kind of nut and a certain kind (laughs) of um, really, I think, strong mental game, which I can't think of many things that are quite as as intense as figure skating. Not that I'm like yes. a big, you know, watching figure skating, <laughs> but the Olympics, you know, you watch the Olympics and it, I just think like, God, the nerves that you have to have. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why I've always, I've always been really good at auditions because in my head, I don't have to go out on the rink and compete yeah. <laughs> as an ice skater anymore. Like there, that is probably, there's a very high stress situation for sure. So to me, acting was so much easier because it was like, oh, people don't see you fall down, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and, uh, and I used to say nothing's more nerve wracking than going out to compete on the ice. So yeah. auditions were like a piece of cake to me at a young age. It was just like, it was easy. And it is, you know, the takeaway that I got from, you know, all that training and, and being an athlete was that there's no such thing as an overnight success. You have to, you have to train every day. You have to stay disciplined. You have to stay focused no matter what is going on, you know? And so I think that's where, that's what I brought from my youth into who I am today as an actress, but sometimes I'm too disciplined. Like (laughs) Like you think that you are too, sometimes you are too, you don't, uh, go with the flow of inspiration or, or that kind of thing? No, or or I can, are you too disciplined I'm, in what way? I'm too disciplined in that, like, you know, it's, uh, it's, I, I'm very like, I'm just very kind of strict, especially on set. I'm very strict with like all the rules and everything. And like, to the point when I was on defiance, um, the other actors would call me the benzinator. Cause I, I literally, I, I don't like people to waste time. It's like, you're called to set, like get out of your chair. Like, let's go to set. Um, yeah. you know, we're wrapped, get out of hair and makeup as quickly as possible. So the drivers can take you home so they can go home. Like yeah. I'm very much Producers like, must love you. Uh, they do. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why I work a lot, <laughs> but, um, other actors, like I won't stop for coffee. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if we get in the van, it's like, no, we're in the van. We go to work. We don't go, we don't go to Starbucks first. You yeah. get your Starbucks before you get in the van. Yeah. Um, so I am a little like. But, but you know, it's funny that you say that because why wouldn't in, in any other field? I, I mean, know. it's like, that's yeah. what you do. And, and, and I actually think that a lot of the actors that I, that I know share that same quality of there's a lot of discipline, a lot of self-discipline. Yes. Um, it manifests itself in different ways. Yes. You know, not all of them are the benzinator. <laughs> the benzinator. <laughs> the benzinator's coming to set. Yeah. <laughs> Put the coffee I, away. And it's like, no, it's like, I, like, I'm the girl, like I can sit in my chair and I'll hear from a distance, okay, let's, first, we're ready for first team. And I get up and I go to set. And if I see other actors lagging, I'm like, what are you guys, like, come on. Like, yeah. They're like, well, we're waiting to be invited. It's like, no, no. Just go. Yeah. This is not invite only. This is like, yeah. you pay attention and let, let's, shave off because I always honestly feel if I can shave off five minutes here five minutes there eventually I'm shaving off an hour of the day yeah and then we get to go home an hour earlier yeah and that makes for a happier crew a much happier crew yeah um so so that uh transition from skating to acting and feeling like oh auditions are no big deal uh not no big deal but they're not as as high stress has that stayed with you or once you began to do this solely, have you kind of forgotten that now this is the new normal and you do get like, or, or do you still have those, those mantras going through your head that you used to use? Yeah. Or? I mean, I, I find auditions fun. Yeah. I'm so, I mean, I, I talk to other actors and they'll tell me like how awful they, they, they're like, Oh, I just wish I didn't have to audition. I actually like it. I enjoy it. I feel like it's an opportunity for me to, to, um, 
to interview the director and producers to see if I want to work with them. Like, it's just as much like, yeah. it's like, it's like speed dating in a way. Yeah. <laughs> like, is he like, are we, are we going to click? Like, am I, are we going to speak the same language on set right. if I get hired? So I prefer it. Um, but, um, but yeah, I don't really get that nervous. It's like, it's not, yeah, it's not something that I get overwhelmed by. I'm just wondering if there's a, uh, it, it's funny. I don't think I, I definitely, I agree. My relationship to auditioning is, is very different now than it used to be. Mm -hmm. It's much more fluid and relaxed than yeah. it used to be, I think. Um, but sometimes there would be, you know, when you get down the road with something, sometimes it's hard to, right. uh, to not think like, oh, I'm all the way down the road. This is the, you know, the fourth time I'm at whatever it yeah. might be. And well, I know. And, I remember know. like the first time I tested for something, I had no idea what I was doing. So I just was like, oh, this is fun. Like, and I couldn't understand why everybody else was nervous. Like I didn't understand the impact of what it was I was doing and I got it. <laughs> and I think it was because I was just like, well, I, I, and I was so young too, when I was like 18, 19 years old. And I, um, and I remember just thinking, Oh, th but this is just what you have to do to be an actor. So they're like, it's like, part of the job. It's just part As of you're explained to getting people the listening job. that that testing just means that you've gone in. in the, you've gone in, in the, like seven kind times. Of, yeah, <laughs> kind of in like the, the the longest version of that is you go in for I guess it would be a pre read if you didn't you know yes. if they didn't know you the casting director is like okay we're going to send them to producers then you go to the producers of yes. the show that goes well you go to the studio, studio and then and you go to the network, network and there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen, you know, and they put all, your deal together ahead of time. Yeah, So you so sign away, you like sign set, away. you see what you would make for, yeah. per episode for seven <laughs> years. If it goes, yeah, it's a very, so it's, it's interesting that you wouldn't, that, that I, you I, still didn't, I didn't even, so yeah. I didn't even read the paperwork and I, I still don't like, yeah. honestly, when I do a test deal, um, I trust that my reps figured it all out. They know my bottom line and I don't, I intentionally do not read it. Yeah. I sign it, don't read it. And yeah. I usually wait to sign it until right after. You know, how sometimes they ask you to sign before you go in the room. Ah. I'm always like, do you mind if I wait? I'll go in and I'll oh, sign that's it right after. No, never that done. way then it's like, it's, then it's just an audition. Yeah. Then you're not like going like, oh my God, like yeah. <laughs> my life is going to change. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> um, so, so going back just to one, I don't want to like harp on mm -hmm. it too much, but the, the figure skating was a lot of that. Was there a lot of mental prep kind of like, were they crazy with the discipline and were you just, did you feel like you could put your head through a brick wall if you wanted to? Yeah. I mean, it was tough. I trained eight hours a day, seven days a week, two weeks off a year, um, from the age of like three until I officially retired at 16. And then, um, and I had a hang up. I, so I did singles and I got really badly injured at 13 because I, could not land a double axle for whatever reason. I could land triple jumps, but I could, for whatever reason, I had this mental block about a double axle. And I would just, that was all I would practice every day. And it became this thing that like, I just couldn't land the jump. And, um, to the point where like my parents sent me to like sports psychologists and I had to listen to all these different tapes of like visualization and like go through all. And it, it became, I still have dreams about the double axle. Like tension <laughs> like, dreams. Like, oh yeah. About, really? and then I have dreams, I have dreams too about landing it, which, and it's such a great feeling in the dream. And I'm like, Oh, that's what it would have felt like if I'd ever been able to land one of those. But I ended up injuring myself because it's all, I did on the ice. It's all I would practice. And I needed the, I, I needed the double axle to compete as a senior lady and I didn't have it. And now they're, now girls are doing triple axles, but back then, you know, you had to have a double axle to be, and I was, I was really young too. I was like 12 years old as a senior lady. And, um, and I just could not do that one jump. And it really, it became like my biggest nightmare. Yeah. I remember just, you would see on the ice in practice, like the same, like you could see my takeoff and landing, like, and I would always fall. So you could see like the takeoff and then you'd see like the skid, like the slide yeah. and just like over and over and over again. And it just was this mental roadblock I could not overcome. And do you have any version of that double axle in acting now? Is there anything like that you, or is it, do you feel like it's, it's just so interesting that that, you know, that, um, 
preparation and now uh, you are kind of, you know, one of the questions I'll sometimes ask people is like, what is your superpower? Excuse me. What is your superpower? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like that, that preparation and that focus yeah. you've, you've trained so hard and you carry it into this. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's a really good question. Like, I don't know what my big mental block would be as an actor. Yeah. I do, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, the, um, I think the hardest part about what we do is when, is when we're not working and when you do get no's and you seem to get like a string of no's and that's the hardest part. So I guess that would be like trying to figure out how to overcome that. And all I do for that stuff is I just stay focused, get up every morning, go to the gym, work out, you know, stay control what you can control, control what you can control. Um, and I even started stepping up my auditions and taking them to the next level and thinking them as like, it's a one night only performance and I get to play this amazing role. And not only do I get to play the role, I get to direct, produce, um, do hair and makeup, um, wardrobe, you know, it's one night only. And, That's cool. and I, I have started now, like, I would say about like seven years ago, I started doing that where every audition is a full performance. Like I don't hold, don't hold the sides. Yeah. You don't even have them in your hands. I have them on the floor. Like I'll yeah. put them on the floor. I can't act with paper in my hands. Yeah. I think it's just after you're on set for so long, it becomes, then you start feeling like you're auditioning. Yeah. So I just throw them on the floor in case they want to give me a note and I need to like look at it. But, um, but it's really just about going in and it's like, I get to play this amazing role for one night. I sometimes yeah. tell my agents I originated the role. If I know I'm the first girl that went in, yeah. <laughs> like, well, you let people know I originated that role. I was the first one in the room. <laughs> it's so, that's such a cool way to look at it. And like uh, such a great example of like, of the language or how you frame something so that you're excited about it and yes. you're inspired by it as opposed to, Oh, I've got to go get a job. You know? Yes. And, and I, I think, you know, that probably came about when, um, I think, you know, after I came off of Dexter and, and then I had to go back into pilot season and just the grind of pilot season when you're just auditioning for all these different parts and it's all kind of, it's, it's craziness. Um, I think I then had to just reframe how I thought about the process rather than like ugh, back, back at square one. It's like, right. no, wait a second. I'm not. Cause now I'm going into a room now and people actually, they want to see a performance yeah. from me. <laughs> like yeah. they're expecting a performance from me. I was just going to so, ask you what was, I mean, I, that's the, the, role for you or the show mm-hmm. for you, the project for you, that seems like thing probably was the the Game biggest changer, change yeah. was Dexter. I was going to ask you what you, you know, how that experience was and did you, um, you know, did you know, or did you have an inkling going in? This was a special project. I, I happened to be with Michael Hall because my friend was friends with him from Six Feet Under. I happened to be with him just prior to you guys shooting the pilot. Oh, wow. And I had given, I, I suggested a book to him, this book, Mind Hunter, that I love by John Douglas. I'm like, you should, I, I don't know if he read it, but I was like, this is a great book if you're playing a serial killer. It's the guy that, you know. Yeah. And, and so I remember thinking, he's off six feet under, this is going to go. But did you feel that way or did you? I did. Like, did. I I loved it. I It's the type of dark, twisted material that I like to watch. Um, I think the the show was so successful at like living in that gray area where it didn't tell you what was right or wrong. And it really made you question your own moral values. And that's the stuff that as an audience member, you get very unsettled by, like you find yourself rooting and falling in love with a serial killer, but yet he's a serial killer. So it's that constant like circle that goes around, like, is he good? Is he bad? Is he good? Is he bad? You know? So, um, that's the stuff that I like to watch as an audience. Now, did I think I was going to be cast in it? No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, but, um, I thought when I read the pilot, I was like, oh, this show is going to be a hit. Yeah. It's going to be huge. Yeah. So, and then when I was cast in it, I was like, oh, it's going to be really huge. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so. and, and, and did you feel like it made, because you had worked a lot yes. prior to that, a lot, but did the, it's still, 
it was that much of a game of a, like a needle mover. I know? think for me, what was really interesting, if you look at season one, Rita, I mean, I went on camera with no, no makeup, no hair, like how I rolled out of bed was how I went to, to film. And for me, it was, I loved that. I mean, I, I had to actually, so when I was testing for the show, I, um, I read once, I tested one time and they came, the feedback was that they thought I looked too glamorous to play Rita. And could I come back looking not so glamorous? And so I had to go back in and I made a choice to drink a lot of wine the night before. (laughs) So I would have like bags under my eyes. And then I put mascara in the roots of my hair because I kept saying my hair was too shiny and like they just thought I looked too L.A. And so I put uh, dark mascara in the roots. I didn't shower. Um, I wore like like just like miss like just really frumpy clothes that didn't match and not a stitch of makeup on. Just I had some moisturizer, no mascara, no conceal, nothing. It was like and I remember I went and I signed in and um the producers came out and they saw the sign in sheet and they're like, well, she's here, but where is she? And I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm right here. And they were like, oh my God, are you wearing a prosthetic? And I was like, no, this is, you guys asked me to come in with no makeup on. This is it. And um, they're like, oh my God, you look amazing. And then they had to go test that way. And, um, and I knew when I left the room that I got the part because the casting director just grabbed me and gave me a big hug and was just like, that was incredible. And I've had other actress friends ask like, come on, you had to like no mascara and nothing. I'm like, absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was freeing, like just to take the mask away, to yeah. strip the mask off. But in the eyes of like critics and in the eyes of, of, you know, people in Hollywood, I was being so brave by going on camera with no makeup on, but I was just kind of like, Oh, this is fun. I get to come in. I have a later call time. <laughs> like yeah. I don't have to sit in here and make up. And it was really freeing for me as an actor to take that mask off Yeah, and not have to worry. Yeah. It's, uh, well, that, that was actually going to be one of my questions was, you know, you are, I would, you know, it's like, you're going to get cast as the young ingenue mm-hmm. and does that become a, a cage for you at times? And it sounds like, yes, well, it's like a welcome thing to get out of. It's, yeah, well, it's nice to, to, I think too, I'm going to grab some water. Yeah. I think too, um, you know, I was coming off of the, of Buffy and Angel on the WB where, you know, you're dying and you've got like, two sets of fake lashes on and glitter all over you. Like, you know what I mean? It was, I was coming off of this like kind of super surreal show where, you know, hair and makeup was a large part of the experience. So what Dexter did for me was it, it, I, I say it took me from being like a girl to a woman in many ways in the eyes of those watching television um, in the eyes of the critics and stuff like that, that all of a sudden, and my work was still the same. It's just the mask was off. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Um, I kind of refer to this a lot. For some reason, I randomly saw a Josh Brolin interview after he did No Country for Old Men. Mm -hmm. And somebody said, you know, how do you feel? You, You know, you finally, this is such great work. And he was like, well, I'd like to think I've been doing pretty good work for the last 20 years, (laughs) but this one is, you know, written and directed by the the Coen brothers. And, you know, it's helpful to have this material. Did you feel that way where you were just very supported by the show, by the material, by your, your, your fellow castmates? Yeah. Yeah. And then working with Michael too, is like, I was such a huge six feet under fan Me too. to the point my cell phone ring was actually the six feet under theme song when I got cast in the pilot. And then I was like, Oh, I have to change it because like how embarrassing. Like <laughs> he'll know I'm a big super fan, and then I had to get over the fact that I was working with him. Like I had to do a lot to get over the fact that like I was working opposite him. Yeah, because I was just such. I mean, six feet under was I just was, so uh, huge. I was too. Yeah. And it my was my wife just, and I would like. Yeah, go, oh, that was when you had to be home. Yeah, to watch and to it. watch it, and, and like yeah. we'd watch it, and I saw every episode, and like could talk about it, and like, and all of a sudden now I'm on set with Michael, and I finally just fessed up one day. I was just like, 
because I was, I would get like a little bit nervous and I was like, mm-hmm. you know what, this is not serving me. So I just looked at him and I was like, I'm such a huge fan, <laughs> like <laughs> pinch me that I am here right now. Yeah. And, um, and it helped a lot just acknowledging that. Yeah. But working with him for the four years that I was on the show was amazing because he's such a, he's, he's, it's like, it's like a Stradivarius violin. Like he's just, he's just so good. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm that good, but when you're working opposite somebody that good, all you have to do is just listen and react and it works. And that's really all I would do is I would just, listen and react. That's being, that's being great. I mean, that's great acting. But he was so just so good. And then it's so surprising when you would see the show too. I would always, that was one show I would always watch that I was on just because he's doing so much subtle work that the human eye doesn't pick up in the scene, but that the camera picks up. So then you see it as an audience member and you're like, oh my God, look at that. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That that is really cool. Um, it's it's uh, well. I wanted to go back. Just to, I want to mm-hmm. get back to some of the work, but also I had read like it, it's ten thousand no's. So we're talking about overcoming <laughs> rejection. And I'm thinking about um, I don't know if this is accurate. Again, you know, you don't know what you read online, but you're replaced. Uh, on something early on, like uh, I've been replaced, like it's, people don't realize, uh, I don't think that even now as you're sitting down today, I mean, we, you know, when you came in you're telling a story of a great audition that you couldn't have gone better. And, you know, it's, it's never ending. Yes. Um, have you learned to, uh, to deal with that better? Like when, when you were replaced and it's usually for things out of your control, right. that was, or how was that? How that they- was, cause that was the first time, like I had been prior to that. I had been, um, I had been offered like a guest star role on a sitcom and I'd been replaced on there. Like they made an offer and then halfway through the week realized like I wasn't the right fit. And then they let me, and that was like embarrassing and mortifying, but like, it wasn't public. I wasn't that famous. It was just like, it was a small thing. Nobody knew about it. But then I think a year later was the, that pilot happened. And when it went to series, they didn't pick up my option and they replaced me with someone else. And that was like, that was in the trades. Yeah. And that was devastating to me. Like that, that was really hard. And I had to go to therapy because um, I was having trouble in auditions after that. I just thought, I thought I had like this big, like X over yeah. me. And I was like cracking at auditions. And I was like, I, I'm not, I can't get over this. Like I'm, I thought I got past it, but I didn't obviously. And so I went to a therapist and spent some time. What were <laughs> some of the things it. that, that, um, cause I would imagine that my relationship to that mm-hmm. is different now than it was back then. Cause yeah, I think it, I realized there are so many other factors. Yeah. I think now like, cause that was, God, that was way before Dexter even. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was, I also think I was like in my twenties, I was a little more insecure about that, at that part. Yeah. But, um, uh, just that, you know, I think she just pointed out that like that happens and that it's not like nobody's thinking that when you go into the room, like they don't, no one yeah. really cares. Um, and then me noticing in the trades that's happening to other people. And I will say I had a couple other actors reach out to me and call me and say like, Oh, well this happened to me once before. And then that helped knowing that other people had gone through it. Um, and uh, I remember Frances Fisher was in that pilot and she called me um, and talked to me for a long time and told me about all her war stories, basically. Yeah. And then it just made me feel better yeah. knowing that, like, OK, I'm it's not alone in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and now when I see it happening, um, knock on wood, it hasn't happened to me. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, when I see when I read about people getting replaced on network shows or whatever, after they do the pilot or whatever. I mean, I, I, my, my heart goes out to them because I know it's, it's crushing only because it's public. Yeah. I just wish they would keep it private. Yeah. Like nobody needs to know. 
Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it's also, it's also financial blow as well. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a big deal. Yeah. I, I mean, I had Erin Hayes who. Yes. I listened to that you one. Listen to that. I did. Yeah. Yes. I mean, her story. Yeah. Devast- uh, I mean. Devastating. Mm-hmm. And anybody listening, if you want to go back and listen, but she was, you know, after a season and mo- like moving her yeah. family, they, they killed her off of a show, which, which the, my wife is always like, you never mentioned that the show <laughs> got canceled shortly after. That's like the best part of the story. I mean, but, I'll say, you know, when I, was killed off of Dexter. That was a blow to me. Um, I didn't know. I didn't see it coming. I didn't know. Um, it wasn't really handled properly in the way I was told. Um, and then I had to keep it quiet and couldn't tell anybody. How long of a um, lag time was it be- be- between when you well, did it and when it aired? Well, I found out like a couple days before we went to shoot it. So it was the last episode of that season. And so they called me into a meeting and they told me. Now, did they hold off that long because they, they don't want you, they don't want to mess with your performance before then? They, 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 I I think they were afraid of, le- I don't know what, I mean, you know, I think they were afraid of it leaking out. I think that they were, some, some people said it was because it was a last minute decision that they had made. Um, I eventually found out that that was not the case, that they knew going into season four that this was how it was going to end. Um, they just chose not to include me in it. Yeah. Um, and it was tough. It was it was hard because I loved that family. Yeah. And it was literally like being like kicked out of a family and you're like, wait a second. Wait a minute. I right. want to have one more Christmas dinner with everyone. Right. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to be invited to the party anymore. Right. Um, so I had incredible sadness. And I actually went back to therapy for that. And I yeah. do remember my therapist going because I went in and I was like, eh, you know, I, the, I killed off the show and basically everyone's going to know I'm fired. And he's like, you know, when I watch TV and a character gets killed off, I don't think of it in that way. I think of it as like, wow, that's great storytelling. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Is, <laughs> can you t- now looking yes. back as an audience member, yes. can you look back and go, oh, that's great? I but- actually... Um, it, I, it was the best thing that ever happened to me was to be killed off the show, to be honest, yeah. because it um, that's the moment everybody talks about when they talk about Dexter. Yeah. It's that moment. And it still lives on many years later. It's the moment everyone wants to talk about. And in in the moment when I was told, I was selfishly thinking about myself because I am an actress. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, I just bought a house. And like, how am I going to like pay my mortgage? Even though I was fine. But like, you know, selfishly, I was thinking about myself. Then I had my next thought was, who's going to raise the baby? Because <laughs> Rita just had yeah. a baby on the show. So it was this weird thing where I was like, wait, you mean someone else is going to raise my child? Not my child. <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's the character's child. So it's this weird like I... mental game that happens. And then you're just like super sad. But um, but I will say like right after that, you know, um, uh, I, I was also worried that nobody was going to care about it. Right. Like the audience wasn't going to care about Rita's death. And when it aired, um, I just remember like the outpouring of love from the fandom, just even walking down the street, people stopping their cars and wanting to hug me because I was alive. Oh, wow. <laughs> like it's... being that deeply affected yeah. by her death. And, um, and I still get people today that reach out and be like, we're so happy to see you're alive. I'm like, well, you know, they don't really kill you. Yeah, <laughs> It's just, you know, it's kind of fake. <laughs> but um, I will say it was hard to shoot. You know, it yeah. was hard to be there that last day in film. But that, um, that that's the, that's a really tough, part about it is that to to do our job yeah we have to care i mean it means that you cared and i've had the yes. same i've had the same thing where i you know certain things that there could be very funny uh, you know even like the huge and prancing there are certain yeah. aspects where you feel like you care so much about the character or you feel like you're exposed and you feel but that's what you need to do for the job right. and yet as as a human surviving <laughs> that experience like as an employee who's no longer yes. going to have that job you have a very different um, way that you're going to have to deal with it you almost have to close it up and move on yeah i will say like um I, I, they don't, Showtime doesn't know this. They don't need to know this part. But then, um, I did tell people, like, I, the 
the night I, the day I found out, um, I, I suffered from panic attacks and I started having a panic attack and went home and, you know, my boyfriend, who's now my husband came over and like took care of me and I calmed down. And then he was like, you know what? let's go out and celebrate tonight. And it was like, no, I don't want to. And he's like, no, let's do it. So I called um, some close friends, told them what happened and some of the cast. And we met at um, Merrick's in West Hollywood and we drank margaritas all night in honor of Rita (laughs) and got drunk. And it was like, it was really cathartic and like a good way to kind of reframe it. it. So it wasn't so sad, but it was, but it just was a way for everybody because everyone was shocked too. Like the cast was, everyone was shocked that this was happening. And so it was just a nice way to kind of, and then on the last the day we shot me in the dead in the bathtub spoiler alert um (laughs) um I had a party in my trailer I had people like friends there doing shots of tequila and we were partying and like because it was the only way I could get through it is is to keep it light yeah and I my boyfriend who's my husband now um, he decorated my trailer like a morgue and like he tried to like it is really about trying to keep it like you know, it, it, it was a great four years. Yeah. And remember that part. Yeah. You know, remember yeah. that it was a great four years. And did you have a, you know, just speaking of like kind of the rebound, because it was really it was such a huge show and, and one of those water cooler shows, mm-hmm. I feel like, where people were really talking about it. Um, and then because that's such a big moment, did did you have kind of an immediate uh, where people wanted you on other projects or was there a lag time where you No, it was, like- it was immediate. Like, so it was interesting cause we weren't allowed to tell people why I was available and there was only like a two month time, but I would go into meetings and every producers would want to talk and I'd be like, you know, I can't say anything, but I'm here. Yeah. So, but it was as soon as it aired, it was, I got offered Desperate Housewives and then went from Desperate Housewives into No Ordinary Family and then into a, like it, there, it did generate a lot of heat, which was why it was, yeah. I very quickly was able to see like, oh, this is actually a good thing for, for me, from a selfish standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> like this, people did care about Rita. Um, yeah. And, uh, and it, and it, it was something that was like a springboard then for me. Yeah. It's a, it's such a good story for, for many reasons. It's kind of a great story for this show. This show is all about reframing yes. the nose and, and also about not, you don't always know in the moment if something's a bad thing or a good thing. And that feels like a unilaterally bad thing as yes. it's happening. But it ends up being something that is a springboard. Being and, and, a really good thing. And, like I, and I think that, you know, I tend to like, you know, if I don't get a job, I usually say there's a reason why I didn't get it. Yeah. And then you read about something that happened on set or you read or the show, whatever. And then you go like, oh, I dodged a bullet on that one. Yeah. Um, so you hope that's like the what's ha- how the universe is directing you. Like you just pray that that's the way it's directing you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or, and you tell yourself that no matter yeah, what. Uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, it's hard. I mean, I always find that uh, in the moments when I feel rejection, I have a little method, like it's about like writing down 10 to 20 things you're grateful for, you know, keeping a gratitude list, doing that. Like, I do believe you can retrain your brain from negative to positive, but you sometimes have to take active steps to do it. And you have to remind yourself of like all the things that are good, all the things you are grateful for, all the roles that you did get that you're grateful for. And that, you know, it'll happen again. And it's, it's just like retraining the brain to reframe the picture. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's, it's a process. Yeah. You just have to stick to it. Yeah. I love for people to hear that because it's, it's so easy to look at you and just see success and ease and, oh, it's so, uh, that would be so great. But it, it's a lot of work to be there, to stay there. Yeah. And, and, you know, that there are actual exercises that you're doing. And I'm the same, you know, if you look at my, my bookshelf, it's like filled with you know, all <laughs> kinds of things of just like 
you know, training your brain, training your your mindset. And Um, then also knowing too, like, you know, like we were talking about the audition that I went in and like killed it in the room and like, but I didn't get it. I had to remind myself today, other people went in there too and killed it. Yeah. Like I'm not the only one that went in there and killed it. So, and that's okay. (laughs) You know, it's like, and you also may work with those people. You may, or you may not. It's all all a drop in a bucket. Yeah. Like you don't know where that drop's going to end up, but eventually your bucket's going to be full and something's going to happen. So it's all just like a drop in the bucket. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I, I don't know if you'll find this, but the, um, you know, I'll have something that I'm so focused on. I'm so excited about audition wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm completely dialed in, go in, feel great. Don't hear back or hear back. They're, they love you, but you yeah. know, which is the, <laughs> you're like, great. How many people do I need that love me? Yeah. Close. But then a week or two weeks later, there are times when I'll look through my email and see the original uh, appointment uh, email that was sent to me. And I'm like, what was that? Yeah. I totally forget it. Cause you really put it out of your mind and you, and then you have to look forward. Yeah. It's so it's, it's interesting. It's like a a self-protection, I think. Yeah. I make sure to throw my, the, like any, any material, any script, like I don't save any of it. It gets deleted, gets thrown out. It's like, Oh, you delete it from the emails. I delete. I, yeah. Cause it's like, no. You're gone. I, I throw it out in the, uh, like in the garbage. I'll, yeah. th- I'll throw it out, but I've never really thought, you know what? I, I've gotten. I delete pretty, before I like literally right after when I get home from the audition, I delete throw out. Cause then I'm like, you know what? If it's meant to come back, it'll come back. And I'm not holding on to it. I'm not holding on to the, like the, um, what is it called? The, the, um, the appointment sheet or the, the yeah, but the, the but the, the, the trash on your computer, the, oh, the, oh, yeah. the, like the, the clutter, ca- the like all that, or whatever it all is, all that the, clutter. I yeah. think it can be negative. So it's like, no, get rid of it. Oh, interesting. <laughs> you've, that's, uh, you've said a few things today that are kind of the first way I've heard it framed that way. The other was doing like the the one night show where you're writing, yeah. directing and producing, or not writing, but directing, producing, doing hair and makeup. I love that. And I, and I love the idea of like getting rid of the negative. Yeah, Cause it's one night only. It's like, yeah. there it is. I did it. I don't, and I never ask for feedback. I do hate when they say, well, we went a different way. Cause I'm like, just say you picked a different person. Just say we just yeah. chose someone different. Don't say we went a different way with the role. Cause then I'm going to think, what, did you change the role into a man? Yeah. Is it like, yeah. like uh, how, cause I can be anything. Yeah. What do you mean yeah, different? You didn't go a different way. You didn't want me. You just yeah. didn't want me. Just say it. Like, just be honest. Just be like, we didn't choose you. That's it. Yeah. So that's the only feedback I, I like. It's like, eh, they just didn't choose you. Yeah. Cause there's other, everything else is kind of like. Yeah. And really, you know that, I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, at this point, you know that you're pretty good. You've been yeah. doing this for a long time. And if you didn't hear, if you hear that you didn't get it, you know that, yeah, for whatever reason, yeah. they, they went. And I will say the hardest is when you go into a room and then you're bad. Cause that does every once in a while that happens yeah. when you go in and some, like, I, I remember there was like two years ago, there was a pilot I went in for and I just felt like my mouth and my brain just couldn't, work together. And, oh, I was, I was so bad that I called my agents after and I was like, get me back in. And they're like, come on, you weren't that bad. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I was that bad. And did you get back in? I did because uh, they called the casting director and the casting was like, yeah, she was terrible. (laughs) And they were like, oh my God, like, we didn't believe you when you said it, but he agreed. And they brought me back in and I was much better. And then I ended up, I tested for it and then ended up not getting it. But I just, I knew I was like, oh, yeah, just something just wasn't. How are you usually with handling yourself when you're less than what you want to be? Are are you in that case, you took action, you go back in and you do a better job. That's great. When you don't have the option of going back in or will you beat yourself up forever or have you learned to. Like, do you have another process that you use to, to let things go? Well, you know, my old acting teacher used to talk about how he had directed a play with an, with an actor. And one night the actor went on stage and like performed, like it was the worst. And my acting teacher was directing it, was like just mortified. And when he went backstage at the end of the show to yell at this actor, the actor looked at him and went, oops, 
And I always remember that story because thank God I'm not a brain surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> like, thank God somebody's life isn't in my hands. You have a bad day. You just have to go, oops. Yeah. <laughs> thank oopsie. Like, yeah. And that happens. And so I, that story has always resonated with me. And so I always recall that story and I just try to go like, oops. And then yeah. if I can get back in the room, if I can correct the mistake, if I can go back in and redo it, um, then, then that's awesome. And like, I rise to the challenge and I redo it, but sometimes like you don't get that and you just yeah. have to go like, Oh yeah, let it go. Hope nobody sees that tape. <laughs> <laughs> and then what about what, what is your, your biggest joy with doing this? Like, you know, it's, it's obviously we've been talking for a while about all the ups and downs and the craziness and the highs and the lows. What is it at the end of the day that, you love about it that what what is it about the storytelling or is it about expressing yourself or what is it that you it's so hard because I think because I grew up performing my whole life from a young child performing on the ice that um I just always enjoyed the performance aspect of it but at this stage I mean I just love being on set I love the community I love the crew, the family that's created. I love the work environment. Um, I can work an 18 hour day on set and not be tired and come back eight hours later and do it again. Yeah. And just, it's just that the energy that is created on set that you're doing something, you're creating something, um, that it's, you're making something that's going to be captured on film or digital now forever for eternity and that people are going to watch it. You hope yeah. <laughs> someone will watch it. My, you know, someone will watch it, but, um, but, uh, I just think it's that, um, that like what you're doing is, is, is being captured for eternity. Yeah. And that that's like really cool. Um, I don't know. I, I've always loved being an actor. It's not what I thought I was going to do when I was a kid because I thought I was going to be an ice skater, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but once I discovered it, it was like, oh, there is no other option. This is it for me. That's amazing. <laughs> At three years old, you thought you were going to be an ice skater. Yeah. At 13, yeah. you thought you were going to be an actor. And that's it. And that was it. That's, yeah. That is very rare. Yeah. And then I love it so much. Like I do believe and in- that you're successful at it, that you're <laughs> able, that you're, that you're yeah. paid to do it. I mean, it's, it's very rare, I think. Yeah. I've been very lucky. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of, this business is a lot of luck. It's a lot about having the right people believe in you at the right times. Um, but it's also about hard work. Like I said, I'm very disciplined. Yeah. I was going to say agreed. And it's very beautiful that you're so humble and put it in that way. But anybody listening, unless they're, you know, a complete moron at this point in the 45 minutes that we've gone through (laughs) realizes that a ton of hard work and a ton of care and a ton of talent goes into this. It's not, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I appreciate it. It's lucky. <laughs> it is true. But it, it, yes, it, it is. It is a there lot are, of luck. I mean, there I are so had... many people out there that are working hard. I get it. But, but you also put it, put a, it, it sounds like a lot of thought and effort and energy into it. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I mean, I took a lot of acting classes. I realized very early on that I wasn't a natural that I actually had to work at it, that I actually had to study and learn and and do plays and take classes and really learn about the craft of acting. Yeah. There are some people that are just open wounds and they can just access without any any class. And they I got to work with Joaquin Phoenix very early oh, on in man, his career. He's, and he's yeah. just like this open wound that just like, you know, and and it was a movie with, I did a very small part in a movie with, it was Billy Crudup and Joaquin Phoenix. And, and it was Joaquin's first movie. And Billy had just come out of like uh, graduate school and had come off of like Broadway doing some big play. I don't remember the name of it, yeah. but um, but he was high, Billy was highly trained and Joaquin was not trained. And just when you watch the movie, you just see Joaquin just this like yeah. oozing just vulnerability and like, he's just incredible. Yeah, he's, Some people don't have to take class. 
Yeah. Some people have to take a lot of class like me. And yet, and yet I have a theory about that, that and I, I don't know much about their family, but I know that the story is like when they were young, they were kind of always doing things for each other, getting up and acting out. Yeah. And also whatever emotional pain maybe someone had. I always feel like there's some place where right. somebody gets it from. Like nobody, I mean, there are people like that. I, I always say, you know, uh, Christian Bale, I feel like yeah. is one of those guys that's just like, he can do all of these things really, really well. well yeah. He's like the Michael Jordan of acting, you know? Yeah. But I, I think at some point along the line, everybody. Well, listen, you need, you need them, Michael you know? Jordan, but you also need the guy on the bench. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. <laughs> you need the other guys on the team too. Let me be the other guys on the team. <laughs> exactly. So I, I don't I know much be... about basketball. So I couldn't think of anybody else's name. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but I want to be respectful of your time. So I, I will, I will wind it down for you, but just wondering, is there, is there anything that you feel like I haven't done that yet and nobody knows I can do that. And you're just like dying for an opportunity to do something that you, you haven't had the opportunity to, to do. Well, for me, comedy, I mean, I, I did comedy very early on and then my career kind of took a different trajectory from what I was expecting. And then I became known as this like dramatic actress. Um, so to go back and do, I would like to do like a multicam comedy would be amazing. Yeah. Um, but, um, cause I haven't done it in so long and to perform in front of a live audience and everything, um, would be incredible. Um, but yeah, that's the only, thing. but and it's so funny cause people don't think I'm funny anymore. And it's like, well, no, I'm still funny. But that's just, <laughs> I, I think, funny. I think a lot of people don't, they don't, only know what you did on your last job yes. and that's what they think you can do. And then hopefully you can send tape and say, no, look, they can do this, yeah. this and this as well. They just, you know, yeah. they weren't doing it on that particular role because it wasn't required. Yeah. And it's, you know? it's interesting just how like, um, what is the one thing like for, for anything dramatic, I get seen right away for, but if it's, you know, a multicam comedy, I have to like jump through hoops. Yeah. Just to get an audition. And then you just kind of go like, okay. <laughs> Which is the opposite of like Erin Hayes. Who yes, said she was she's saying it was the opposite. Yeah. Comedy. And she's like, I want, where's the gritty cop drama yeah. for me? I want to do that, you know? And that's, and that's just kind of the way it is. It's always, you're always having to prove yourself over and over again. Over and and over. I, I think in a way it keeps us young because you're, you have to go out and fight for whatever yes. it is that you want next. Yeah. And it's, it's usually not given to you. Usually, in our industry, I feel like they give you what you've already done. Yes. They'll give it to you until you're so stuffed that you- Yeah, like, and then you're like, come on, I want something else. And, and so it, it's in order to change the change course, you have to go out and get the next thing. Yeah, and I'm the girl that like my reps have to keep me from not auditioning because <laughs> yeah. I'll hear, I'll be like, yo, send me in. Yeah, yeah, I'll go in. I'll go into any room. I'm like, I'll, like <laughs> three yeah. lines on a sitcom, I'll go in. And they're like, no, this should be an offer. I'm like, no, no, I'll go in. <laughs> I'll crush it. Yeah. And they'll be like, no, 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 let's, you know, this is something you should not go in for. We're going to say offer only. I'm like, no, 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 let me go in. Um, so funny. I'm that girl who's always willing to go in that, that a lot of times they'll send me something and they'll be like, we feel it's offer only. We, and I'll be like, no, no, I'm going to like, and then they have to talk me off the, the wall. So I'm like, yeah. let me go in. Just let me go in. That's funny. So but, I got one last, I got a question for you. If, if you could give your younger self advice, oh. what age and what would the advice be? Um, Wow. What age and what would the advice be? Um, you know, I, uh, I had a lot of eating disorders as in my teens and early twenties. And on my very first television series, the producer, there was a female producer who was really, really mean to me about my weight. And, um, and it caused, like a very heavy resurgence in my eating disorders to like rear its, their head, head back up. And I do think like, I would love to be able to tell myself at like 1920, like, just relax. You look great. Yeah. <laughs> like, you look great. You look fine. You, you don't get jobs based on your weight. I mean, back then maybe, but now it's like all bodies are celebrated. It's yeah. like embrace who you are and, I remember feeling so insecure about 
my body and how I looked that I would always assume like if I didn't get something like, oh, I just need to lose like five more pounds and then I'll get the job. And it's not that. Yeah. It's not that. It's just, like you're, you're not, not right enough. for the role. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So that was just a whole period of my life and let, allowing a producer to pressure me like that um, and making me feel really bad about myself. Um, you know, I just wish I could go back and be like, you know, stand up for yourself, turn around and tell her to fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, so, um, have a little more, have a little more balls about who you are yeah. and, and not be so stressed about, about your weight when you looked great. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, th- thank you. Thank you for sharing that too. That's, uh, well, I think it's a great message for people because young people, young women do listen to this and, and it's, I, I think that's so great for people to hear. Yeah, I think, you know, so unfortunately there's so much pressure on women in this industry, but I do love the time we're in now where we're seeing so many different shapes and sizes and just different people on TV now. And and it's really great that it doesn't matter as much now. Yeah. But back when I started, it was, you know, you had your um, Allie McBeals and your, where everybody was like super skinny and that's what you thought you had to be. And there was just so much pressure on that. And if you had any curves at all, it was, I remember going to a wardrobe fitting once and having a costume designer go, Oh, Oh, you're a big girl. And I was a size four. I was like, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> big girls aren't size four. Like, <laughs> yeah. I remember going like, what I was a little bit older then, but like, it was like, wait, just cause I'm not a zero. I don't want to be a zero. Yeah. <laughs> zero means nothing. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a, yeah, it can be a crazy business at yeah. times. And so just being able to be like, it doesn't matter. Like it, it doesn't matter. The more secure you are with who you are and that's what resonates in auditions in a room yeah. is when you're secure with who you are as a person physically and you let all of that go, that's when the magic happens. Ha- yeah. 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 Being comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I, and you have to be comfortable in your own skin first before you can be comfortable in somebody else's skin. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. That's, that's why getting older is actually good for <laughs> actors. I think I, yeah. I feel like I, I have just less hangups about all of it. And, yeah. and so it's, it's easier to just relax and say, yeah, here it is. This is, this is yeah. what you're going to I remember get. in my twenties, I was like, no, I won't do nudity. And now at like 47, I'm like, bring it on. <laughs> I will not wear this shirt. <laughs> like, let me do it. Like, why don't we see women in their late forties naked on camera? Like, let me do it. I'll do it. <laughs> but in my twenties, I was like, no, I won't. <laughs> you know, yeah, you evolve and you, yeah. you, know, you have different, different tastes and different perspectives as, as you go along. And when you start realizing like, it's just not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Julie Benz, thank you so much. Really honored to have you on the show. Thank you. So much fun. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. By now, you know, I do top three takeaways and some weeks are tougher than others to whittle down the list. This was one of those weeks. Please forgive me for leaving many of Julie's techniques out. Hopefully you were paying attention and don't need them spoon fed. Here we go. Number one, this is just the overall benefits of challenging yourself on such a high level for an extended period of time. While Julie ultimately opted out of figure skating at age 13, it is so apparent to me that all that work did not just go out the window. If you pursue excellence and use discipline in one area of your life, it is very probable that the lessons you learned and the muscles you developed will serve you wherever you choose to go. I am convinced that Julie owes much of her success to the way she views her career, which is easy in comparison to what it took to be a figure skater. Number two, after she was replaced from a pilot and again after her character was killed off of Dexter, Julie sought professional help in the form of a therapist. That's kind of 2A, seek out coaches and mentors. And 2B is what her therapist told her, which is also the underlying theme of 10,000 No's. You are not alone. Many more people have been through what you're going through and others are going to go through what you're going through right now in the future. There's a comfort in knowing that when you feel like there's a dark cloud following you around. 
Number three, her decision to celebrate Rita's death with friends drinking margaritas. No, 10,000 no's isn't suggesting you have to go out and get drunk, but we are suggesting you reframe the no. Celebrate and be grateful for the good part of the ride instead of throwing a pity party for being cut or knocked down in some way. Easier said than done, but do it. And a note about this reframing. Julie didn't just wake up and reframe. She worked at that too, with exercises, a gratitude journal, a workout regimen, preparing auditions like they were a one-woman show so she could get back on a winning streak. Success doesn't just show up at your doorstep. You got to chase it down like a hunter, which is also what she did early on when she realized she wasn't a natural. She worked really, really hard. And I'd say it's paid off. Okay, that is our show. Thank you, Julie Benz, for opening up to us. Thank you, Jonathan Stanley, for the guest hookup. Thank you for listening. And if you feel like you've benefited from this or any other episode, please share it so more people can be impacted. If you can leave an iTunes review, it will help the visibility of the show, so we sincerely appreciate that. And if you subscribe wherever you listen, you won't miss any episodes when they come out every Friday. If you like today's conversation with Julie, go check out these past episodes. Their links will be in the show notes. Acting coach to Oscar winners, Terry Knickerbocker, multi-hyphenate actor, writer, director, producer, Mark Duplass, or actor-producer Eric Christian Olsen, or there are others too. Just go check out 10,000knows.com and scroll around, see which ones are up your alley. Join us again next Friday for more 10,000 Knows for announcements and promo videos of who's next. You can follow me on social media. Those handles are at Maddie Dell on Instagram, at Matthew Del Negro on Twitter and Facebook. And you can email us at info at 10,000knows.com if you want to be added to our mailing list or with questions, feedback, or guest suggestions. And I have yet to mention this on the show, but tune in to City on a Hill on Showtime, Sundays at 9, starring Kevin Bacon. You'll see me as Detective Chris Kaysen, captain of the Youth Violence Strike Force, finally putting my Boston College education to use by reverting to my early 90s Boston style and my wicked lodge hair. I'm telling you, you got to check it out, brah. Okay, thanks again for listening. Have a great week. Have a great week.